Welcome to Devotions in the Deep End. I'm Cam Buchanan, and this is a carefully crafted devotional journey through the New Testament. Let's venture into deeper water as we consider what it means to follow Jesus in the world we live in now. Welcome back to Devotions in the Deep End. If you are new to this podcast, I'd invite you to visit episode 36 at some point, perhaps before you listen further here. It provides a seven-minute introduction to the way we can read and interact with the parables. If you've done that, let's read together from Luke chapter 12, verses 16 to 21. And he told them this parable, The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I will say to myself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with those who store up things for themselves but are not rich towards God. Hopefully you'll remember from the previous episode that Jesus has identified the risk of covetousness emerging in a case of two brothers that came to him for a judgment call. But instead of just warning these two men, he addresses the whole people, indicating it may be more of a systemic issue than an isolated one. His interactions with the Pharisees regarding money and greed certainly indicate this possibility. So let's consider the parable with this in mind. A man plants a field. This is something he is clearly very good at because the yields of his field seem to be consistently good and he is described as being rich by Jesus. He clearly knows how to steward the ground he has and he's likely someone who has honored God with all of that. Throughout the entire Old Testament, healthy crops were associated with God's blessing being extended to a godly people. In those dark times when Israel turned to voiceless and powerless idols, God let those deities speak or not, for themselves. And this resulted in times of no harvest. When they returned to Yahweh and renounced the deities of the nations around them, the harvest and the rain came back again. The law called for certain practices, such as Sabbath years for fields and things like that, so that you would truly steward the land instead of pillaging it. Therefore, a parabolic rich man whose fields keep on producing well can indicate a man who knows God intimately and has done well with what he's been given. He's apparently able to build good storage facilities and has been doing this for a while now by the look of things. At the end of the day, he clearly has enough for his family's needs and then some. Then on top of all that, we're told he happens to have a bumper crop this time around. He has plenty to spare and has the knowledge and experience to keep on producing in an honest and blessed way. He now has an opportunity to do something really good with the blessing he's sitting on. He could give a heap of it away to people who might not have grown enough for themselves or don't have a parcel of land to grow on at all. Perhaps he had an edge the others didn't have, access to more water, a better fertilizer source or any other thing that made for more optimal growing conditions than others had. He could drop bundles of his produce on the doorsteps of widows or families doing it tough. He could sell it at market cheaply to ensure others on a budget could get what they need. So many people could benefit and he wouldn't miss out on anything. His personal fortune would likely still improve or at least remain unchanged. But the parable doesn't go that way. 
we are told here that the excess, the blessing even, changes him, and not in a good way. None of those just or merciful things come to mind. He is not thinking, how do I move all this along? He is thinking, how do I keep it all? Instead of investing in others with his produce, he invests in himself by building bigger storages. He is forsaking the godly idea of wholesome work that the Hebrew people embraced and looking for a lifestyle that is distinctly more like the pagans around them. Proverbs chapter 12, verses 11 to 14 says this, Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. The wicked desire the plunder of evildoers, but the root of the righteous flourishes. Evildoers are trapped by their sinful talk, and so the innocent escape trouble. From the fruit of their lips, people are filled with good things, and the work of their hands brings them reward. It is a great ethic being described here. Work honestly and faithfully, and you will eat and live well and be just fine. But the ones who chase fantasies and look to do little will end up wasting their opportunities and forfeiting their rewards. Simply put, the pipe dream of money for nothing simply doesn't exist in ancient Hebrew thought. But there were prominent pagans who held a very different view. It manifested itself in the way one lived, usually in the moment and without consideration for others or even the future. And it would have an enormous cost when it came to eternity. You'll notice a phrase that this man is quoting. Take ease, eat, drink, and be merry. This is in fact rooted in pagan thinking, with its origin being an ancient Greek philosopher named Epicurus. It was he who said that life was to be lived in the moment because nothing of eternal value was to become of it. Once life on earth was done, there was nothing more for us. The reason he offered is that the gods were just too apathetic to care. When we eventually get to the book of Acts and Paul's discourse at Mars Hill, we will get to interact more deeply with this mindset. And we will see that Epicurus had a raft of followers as much as three centuries later. It's interesting that as hard as the Jews tried to keep the world outside their little patch of land, it was there nonetheless. Jesus could speak into it directly with this quote, and the crowd knew exactly what he meant. Jesus' point is this. No matter how honest we are, no matter how good of a steward we are, having more than we need breeds something in us that is not good if we are not diligent. Building bigger barns was a temporal solution and seems pragmatic enough. But Jesus is calling for something with far greater reach than keeping it all for ourselves. Where there is excess, where there is blessing, there is the expectation of eternal investment. The second half of the parable is abundantly clear about that. This honest and hardworking man has gone from being blessed to being a fool in the eyes of God because of his attitude in the time of excess. Pagan society called him successful, but Jesus calls him a fool because everything he'd built up in life was suddenly all about him and ensuring everything he might need 20, 30, 40 years from now would be taken care of using something with a relatively short shelf life to assist his thinking. No part of his plan was geared to consider what might lie beyond that time. And sadly, he would be called to give account for that much sooner than he had anticipated. What he left behind in a barn somewhere only enhanced the point that he had nothing of kingdom value to show for in his lifetime. Now, let's reflect on this together. We've seen already that the sin of covetousness is a well-hidden thing in all of us. And I think I know why. Anger can appear when we are not doing so well. Frustration comes when we are emotionally drained. 
Lust and impure desires can pop up when we are tired out, stressed, or even rejected in some way. Thoughts about theft can come about when we are broke. Rejection of God can come when nothing seems to be going right and we think He's not coming through for us. Going by this parable and through experience in and out of the church, I believe covetousness, and pride for that matter, emerges at the opposite end of our life experience. It comes out in excess, in blessing, in abundance, in good times. It makes its presence felt when we resist the call to share our blessings. There is a part of us that doesn't want the abundance to dry up, so our instinct is to hold on to it as long as we can. We forget that the times of abundance often emerge because we've either honored God or we've needed God and He's come through for us. When that occurs, the blessing of God is not intended to be stored in barns for the sake of blessing ourselves. It comes with an expectation that we will invest in things that have eternal value. Earlier in the Sermon on the Mount and in episode 28, we were challenged to consider storing up treasures in heaven, and this thinking continues here. If you have a read over 2 Corinthians chapter 9, where Paul writes about the Jerusalem offering, we'll also see a bit of his theological take on the issue of giving. There he writes that God's blessing equips us for good works, and that blessing occurs so that we are able to extend that blessing ourselves. As a result, more thanksgiving to God is offered through others. In other words, something of eternal value has been achieved through the generosity of those who live in God's blessing. The parable Jesus presents ends with a challenge to come to a place where we are rich towards God, as opposed to using wealth entirely on ourselves. In Revelation chapter 2 and 3, we see two of the seven churches in Asia Minor occupying the two extremes of this parable, with Jesus stating how he viewed them. Smyrna was a church in poverty yet holding the line in the face of intense persecution and looking towards eternity in all that they did. Jesus considered them rich because of it. In contrast, Laodicea regarded themselves as rich and in need of nothing, but because they were lukewarm in that they actually didn't really stand for anything and had become complacent, Jesus regarded them as pitiful, impoverished, blind, and lame. Wealth has a habit of doing harmful things to the church because covetousness creeps in when the going's good and diligence isn't fought on that front. Ultimately, the church and the individuals who populate it will be judged not on what they saved or amassed in life, but by what they stewarded. So let me ask two searching questions. First, are you on a pathway that looks a little like covetousness? When blessing and abundance comes, what do you do with that? Is it changing you in unholy ways? Are you working overtime to hold on to it instead of freely giving it away? What value do your possessions and bank balance have in comparison to the kingdom of God? Does it manifest itself in silly ways when you ask yourself, where did that just come from? It's not always easily detected, as we've seen earlier in the episode. But now that you look, is Jesus pointing little things out, which could get a lot bigger if not addressed? Second, is your life lived in a deliberate posture of being rich towards God? This means you have an understanding that you are a conduit of blessing, not a barn. You understand that being blessed means you have enough for yourself and your neighbor. You are blessed to bless others. You lean into generous stewardship of God's provision rather than excessive storage. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, Paul writes to put to death the things that belong to our earthly nature, and he lists these. He lists sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. 
which he calls idolatry. Friend, actively resist the temptation to live solely in the here and now, and instead live with an eye on eternity in all that you do. Reject covetousness and lean into being an ordained steward of God's blessing when these things come your way. Be rich towards God in all that you do, for Jesus tells us this is the way of wisdom. Thanks for tuning in. To stay in touch, like our Devotions in the Deep End Facebook page and subscribe on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, be sure to put up a rating and even a comment if your platform allows for it, as this will help others know what to expect. I look forward to catching up next time.